Can we give it up for all the moms today? Word of grace, come on. So happy Mother's Day to everyone. If you are a mother that is joining us today, that you just happen to be with your family today, we just want to say a special welcome to you as well. My name is Derek. I am the lead pastor here at Word of Grace, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend the day worshiping with us, and we hope that you feel welcome and uh, that you feel loved today. We have uh, just had an absolutely incredible uh, just past few weekends here at Word of Grace where God's been doing some special things. And before I get into the message, I just kind of want to highlight a little bit of last week to you because some of you may be a little unaware of exactly what happened. Uh, we had what we call Biker Sunday last Sunday here at church where we opened up the service uh, and tried to reach out to the motorcycle community to have a bike blessing, which is just a time of prayer over the riding season and things like that. Uh, and we wanted to invite the motorcycle community at large just to come and attend. And historically, when we've done this over the past couple of years, we've had about 15, 20 bikes showed up. And I'll be quite honest with you, when I walked outside, I was a little taken back because I expected to see about 20, maybe 30 bikes. I thought maybe we had gotten about 30 motorcycles or so, you know, just from doing some good advertisement, getting the word out. Um, there were 71 motorcycles in the parking lot, and I was like, um, what is happening? People are going to start talking, you know, and I mean that in the best way possible because uh, a lot of those bikers uh, did, were not riding alone, so there were, in my estimate, well over 100 um, bikers here uh, to be prayed with, um, to have us pray for them. Uh, a lot of those people, um, you know, were probably not believers. I know for a fact that one couple was not because I was able to stand uh, with Ralph Sorensen, our Christian Motorcyclists Association um, state coordinator, as uh, he was praying with a couple to receive Christ and explaining the gospel to them in just a, a beautiful way. And folks, that's what it's all about, sharing the gospel uh, with these folks. So one of the things that uh, Ralph said uh, to this couple was, do you want the temporal blessing, basically asking God to protect you this riding season, or are you interested in the eternal blessing? He said, well, yeah, tell me about that. And Ralph proceeded to share the gospel with him, and it was just an amazing thing to just kind of stand there and, and watch as uh, you see hearts being changed, seeds being planted. You see God just doing some powerful things. And so thank you, church, for being open and welcoming and loving uh, to the biker community. And and uh, for those that, uh, you know, ride here at church, it was a great time of fellowship and ministry at well, as well. So it's just a great day, and it was just awesome to see what God um, just is doing in our church and that we get to be a part of it. And we've been, over the past several weeks, talking about being radically uh, following Jesus. And the title of my sermon today is Radically Committed. So if you're a note taker, you can write that down. Or if you have your smartphone with you or a tablet, you can go to YouVersion, which is the Bible app. It's for free. You can download that. And you can go and search for a live event in your area. We do this every single week. 
And you can look up live events under the menu, and you'll be able to find, actually, the notes that I use to teach from uh, that I've written, as well as make notes of your own. You'll find all the Bible references, all the slides that we put up, all those things like that. And you can make notes uh, on your own, actually email yourself a PDF. It's just a cool thing that's available for free to us. So utilize that if you're interested. Uversion Live be a great uh, resource for you. So as we've been talking about being radical, we're looking at what it means to really be a disciple of Jesus. We're understanding and growing in understanding that there's no such thing as being a committed disciple, a follower of Jesus, and going about following Jesus in a casual way. Because Jesus never called anyone casually. He never approached anyone and said, hey, when it works for you, on your time schedule, when everything lines up just right, you know, if it's not a good time, I'm sorry about that. Come back, you know, when it's a great time for you. No, Jesus always called people to follow him in a radical way. And those that did follow him, they left everything because they found something that was worth losing everything for. And that's really what being radically committed is truly all about. And as we look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, before he ascends into heaven, he gives this instructions to those of us that he would call disciples, those followers, those who had been with him. He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I think it's interesting here that as Jesus is leaving kind of final instructions for those who were to be radically committed, forsaking everything to follow him, he says, here is your assignment to go into all the world and to make more disciples to not just make this about yourself and make this something that you want to just soak it all up for you and enjoy all the wonderful memories about following Jesus and how great he was. No, he says, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to be making disciples as well. So as we look at this call to make disciples, we have to understand what a disciple actually is. What does it mean to be a disciple? A true disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Someone who is fully devoted. As a matter of fact, the word disciple means disciplined learner. Someone who has fully bought in, who has committed, who is a disciplined follower, a disciplined learner. And he told those listening to him, you go make other people like that. You go find people and make disciples of all nations. And this is our charge because eternity hangs in the balance. This is so important for us to get and understand today because fully devoted means a radical devotion to live with the priorities that Jesus gave us, the things that he says are important. These things need to be in line with heaven's value system, and we live these things out here on this earth in our lifetime. In other words, what Jesus says is most important are the things that a disciple, a radical disciple, should say are also important. The things that Jesus say, says matters, man, it should reflect in our lives if we are fully committed, fully devoted, if we are being that follower of Jesus because we found something that is worth losing 
everything for. If we were to examine our calendar, you know, whether you have a day timer or your Google calendar, if you were to pull that up, we all understand that we need to plan things. We need to make sure that we put certain priorities in line, that we say this matters and this is important and this is something I need to get to and I need to remember this thing. And we make memos and reminders and planning. But if we took a step back and we examined our calendar and we examined, well, maybe not our calendar, but the actual, you know, stuff that happened you know, that we actually ended up following through with, not just the stuff we planned on doing, you know, uh, the stuff we actually followed through on, does it match up with the things Jesus said are important? Does it match up with heaven's priorities? And for us to truly be a fully committed, fully devoted follower of Jesus, we have to learn heaven's priorities so we can make sure that our lives are matching up with what Jesus says matters. That's part of being a disciplined learner. That's part of being a follower. And then not only doing that myself, but also making disciples and teaching others to do the same so we can do this thing together. And so we're going to talk about our cause, we're going to talk about our mission, and we're going to talk about the commitment that Jesus has called us to. And the first thing is our cause, and that is to live in light of eternity. That's our why, and that's where we need to start is with our why. We should always start with why, and this is why we do what we do as Christians, is that eternity matters more than anything else. It matters more than our suffering. It matters more than our joy. It matters more than our comfort. It matters more than anything else. Eternity is literally hanging in the balance, and that should motivate us and propel us and stir us to make the necessary adjustments and preferences in our life that line up with heaven to where our values begin to match the things that Jesus said, disciples' values followers, people that get it, people that are understanding how to live according to what Jesus often referred to as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. The things that really matter are all things that are rooted and grounded in making an eternal impact. And Jesus wants our lives as disciples to make an eternal investment. In other words, this life that we get to live, no matter how many years we're given, is not just meant to be spent on us getting full of ourselves. We think it is. We're told that it is. We're told that it's all about us, and we're told it's just about our happiness in the end, and that's really all that matters. And if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad, right? If it makes you happy, if it feels good, whatever the case may be, fill yourself with more of that stuff. And then you'll find fulfillment and joy in life. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Actually, if you love your life, I want you to lose it for my sake. I want you to actually lose your life for my sake. And I want you to follow me because the things that I'm doing are not laying up treasures here on the earth where moth and rust are going to destroy and deteriorate. But the things I'm asking you to do are laying up treasures in heaven that are eternal eternal things, things that matter more. And that's our cause. That's our plight, to live in light of eternity. And that's where we should start, to live in light of eternity for the glory of God. Everything that we do should be viewed in living light, in light of eternity. And here on this earth, we're called to live out kingdom values And this kingdom mentality that we're called to have, this kingdom of God that Jesus references over and over again, is to help us realize 
how God looks at things so we can begin to look as disciples at life and priorities and what matters in light of what matters to God. So let's go over to Matthew chapter 13. Don't you love these traditional Mother's Day sermons? That was a joke. It's okay to laugh. Because all this has to do with mothering because it all has to do with investment and mom gets investing. Mom gets doing things for others that maybe don't always get noticed. And so I think that that helps us to maybe tie in Mother's Day a little bit. So there you go. <laughs> but it applies to you whether you're a mom or not. All right, Matthew 13. And let's look over at verse 31. It says, he put another parable before them, saying, talking about Jesus now, Jesus is about to speak, and here's what Jesus says in verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And then he told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. What Jesus is trying to help us to see is that the things that heaven thinks are important are the things you think are small and insignificant. Because we often think, well, I'll do something in light of eternity and special and significant for God when it's this big, huge thing. And it's like this big ask that's in front of us that we think that we need to say yes to in order for it to truly be significant. And we miss out on the small rhythm of saying yes in the small things because what matters in heaven is actually saying yes to doing the small thing that is right in front of you. Because don't you know that one thing may be like that seed that is planted in the ground that's just almost microscopic. It's so tiny, but the potential in that seed is so huge that you don't believe that something that small could have a big impact. I watched a cool video on YouTube yesterday, and it was this video that had like this kind of glass bottom of all of this dirt and people were planting seeds in this dirt so you could see the roots develop and grow in the seed and then they did this quick time lapse thing where you know they would like make the video go faster than what it naturally is going in real time they sped it up you know over a period of weeks so you could see all of these plants growing out of these seeds in just a matter of seconds instead of a matter of weeks and you saw it happen and it was the coolest thing because it had a sweet track to it so it was like and like all these like roots were shooting out like on the beat and like all these all these seeds were busting open it's like and i was like this is so cool i was loving this video and it was so awesome to see these things do all of this stuff underneath the soil that you and i never knew happened all we see is the thing poking out of the ground. What we didn't see is all the stuff happening underneath that was incredible to watch, but it put the seed in position to be able to come out and do the bigger thing that we all see on the outside. But there was so much happening underneath that we didn't see. And, and here's the thing. Scripture also teaches us 
that when it comes to seeds, that God is the one that brings about this life and this increase and is working behind the scenes on things you didn't even know. But sometimes we despise the small thing God may be putting in front of us to do because we look at that grain of mustard seed and we go, this is insignificant. If you're a disciple, you need to realize that part of what heaven values are the things that seem insignificant that God can use in a big way that you don't even know what's going on under the surface. You don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. And God loves to show out. And then when he shows up and does this big thing, everybody's like, what in the world just happened? This is huge. This thing blew up overnight. But that person would remember when it was a small seed, when it was just an idea, when it was just something that they thought, I want to try this. I feel like God's leading me to do this. Or I want to say yes because I see a need. And it looked like it was just you and this one person that showed up for this deal. And you thought, well, it was just one person. And God's like, don't despise the small seed. Because what heaven values is the small beginnings. And these small things that God loves to show how big and great he is. Because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And so if I'm to live in light of eternity, I don't always get the benefit of seeing the end product, the end result of my investment. I don't always get that. Sometimes God gives me the benefit of getting to see it. But just like we've learned in Hebrews 11 and verse 13, when uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about all of these heroes of the faith, he says in verse 13, and all of these heroes of the faith, they all died not getting to see this thing fully come to fruition. They all died. Abraham got a promise. He got a seed. But he didn't get to see all of the descendants number the stars. God just said it's going to happen. You see, God is wanting to do things that maybe you don't get to see. Maybe you don't get to see the end result. But that's not your job. God doesn't owe you that. What you need to do for God is be obedient and trust him with that small thing because that's living in light of eternity, man. Don't look for this big thing to think, oh, it's got to be this big, huge thing for it to matter. No, it can matter in eternity because you don't know what's going on over the years. You don't know what's going on in the investment. You don't know what's going on underneath the soil in someone's heart. Amen, somebody? Over in Matthew, let's go back to 13 and let's look over in verse 44. Jesus again says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. But in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding the one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. In other words, we see here that Jesus is likening the kingdom of heaven into a valuable thing that's worth getting everything else out of my life in order to gain this. Nothing is greater. It's not like I want to have this plus the pearl. I want to have this plus the treasure in the field. No, I want to have the treasure and nothing else. I want to have the pearl and nothing else, even if it costs me everything, because it's that valuable. And Jesus is trying to communicate how valuable that this treasure should be to you and I as disciples, as followers of Jesus, as we're trying to communicate to other people that we are to disciple, that we are to live in light of eternity and we are also to show them the value of following Jesus, that he's worth losing everything for, that there is no room for me to try to say it's Jesus plus 
all these other things that makes me content, that's worth sacrificing for. No, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. And that cause stirs me to live in light of eternity because I see the value in Christ alone. Look over at Matthew 13 and skip down to verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered every kind of fish. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and they sat down and they sorted the good into containers and threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We see here that the kingdom of heaven values us being righteous and being in right standing with a holy God. And we see this is important to the kingdom of heaven. And I want to be a part of the family of God. I want, when, when the sorting happens, I want to put my faith and my hope in being in right standing with God in Christ alone, not in anything else because there will be a sorting and heaven values the sorting. He says the kingdom of heaven is like this, so I have to live with eternity in mind, both in the things that I think are important and where I'm putting my hope and my trust and what I'm doing with what God has given me, no matter how small and seemingly insignificant it may appear on the surface. That's my role as a disciple. And this is what Jesus is trying to communicate to those who would be called disciples, and also to us as disciples, making other disciples. These are the things we are to live out, to invest, and to teach in order to make more disciples and to live in light of eternity. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6 and 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus said that in response to his followers at the time who were concerned about what they were going to eat or where they were going to spend the night or what they were going to wear. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. Why are you so focused on that? Why is that your priority? In other words, stop looking at the kingdom priorities as secondary to once you have everything you want taken care of, taken care of. That's not how a disciple acts. That's not what heaven values. That's not what a radical follower of Jesus values. Because so many of us, we put these conditions on God and we say, God, I'll sell out to you once this season of life kind of, you know, gets better. Or once I get through this. Or once I pay this off. Or once I get out of this situation or out of that situation. Or once, you know, this gets resolved. We put all these stipulations and he's saying, no, seek first the kingdom of God. You've got this thing backwards. It's not about putting conditions on this. You're just saying this is more valuable. It's more valuable. I'm not going to put conditions on you, God, because you are worth selling everything for. You're worth radical commitment. And so that's our cause. That's our why. And that leads us to our mission. And our mission is what we do with that why. What we do with that cause. And our mission is to make disciples. This is what Jesus instructed us to do. We invest in other people because we believe that discipleship happens best in the context of relationships. This is where trust is built. This is where we can have Christ-centered community together. But it's a slower process when we begin to invest relationally. And it's a little messier because people are involved. 
It's a little messier because personality quirks are involved. Learning styles are involved. Wounds and baggage are all now involved. Our vulnerabilities, our tics, all of that stuff is now involved when we begin to build relationship. But discipleship happens best in relationship because that's where trust is formed. Someone can speak truth into your life. And you're going to be more likely to receive that truth from someone you trust over some strangers that you met on the street. You're going to be more vulnerable with people you trust than you would with people in whom you have no relationship at all. That's why discipling, investing, modeling, planting, watering, all that stuff happens in light of investing in other people making disciples while we ourselves are still being discipled and growing as a disciple. Now, this is where we will willingly inconvenience ourselves for the sake of another. Where we willingly will inconvenience ourselves because we found something more valuable. We found that pearl of great price and we want other people in whom God has sent across our path to also see the value that we see in following Jesus. And it doesn't make sense to the world. Have you ever had, you know, like, let's just talk about kids, okay? Kids are easy to talk about, especially mine, because I know them. But, like, kids will get, like, money for their birthday from, like, grandma or, like, from an aunt or from a friend at a birthday party. And they think, like, the sky's the limit now, especially if they start climbing into that $100 range. You remember the first time you got $100 or the first time you saw one of your kids get $100? They thought they were rich. They were shopping for Lear jets. I mean, they just opened up the catalog. They were ordering a Ferrari. I mean, they were just putting a down payment on college. They were buying everything. I have $100. The sky's the limit in their minds because they are experiencing this amount of money. But then when it comes to them actually spending their money on something, as a parent, you don't like want to like discourage them. You kind of want to let them make their own choices, but at the same time, you kind of want to guide them. And you like, what do I inject here? Do, I don't know if I'd spend my money on that or not. Maybe you should... Save it away for a rainy day, you know. Uh, uh, put it in your piggy bank or, you know, it'll earn interest, you know. I'd, um, but don't buy that. Uh, and then you suggest other things that you think are more valuable. Like you'll go, instead of you buying this thing, why don't you buy this other thing? Because this is, this is actually a lot better. Socks and underwear would be a great purchase right now because yours are disgusting and full of holes. Buy those. And they're not interested in things that we think are practical or helpful. They want to buy something that to us doesn't make sense. But they found value in that thing. And so they do something that doesn't make sense to us, but to them, they see that this is important. And I think that this is what a watching world sees 
in Christianity is they don't understand why we're willing to sacrifice the way we are. They don't understand why we would be willing to spend our time doing some of the things that we do. It doesn't make sense to them. They want to try to advise us otherwise. Why would you give money here? Why would you give time? Why would you use your gifts and your resources? Why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. I mean, you could make so much more if you would do this or if what God is calling you to do is something that requires requires you take a cut in pay. You could make so much more money if you were over here, and they don't understand why you're doing these things. It's because you have a cause that's worth giving everything to, and you have a mission. And you're so compelled by that that you're willingly being inconvenienced for the sake of another. And that's how we pursue God and we do it together with other people. And listen, a disciple maker is not someone who knows everything. A disciple maker is not a know-it-all. A disciple maker is instead someone who's willing to walk with another person and invest in pursuing God together. That's what a disciple maker is, is someone who says, come with me on this journey. Let me show you what I've learned thus far. Let me help you on this journey, not let me answer every one of your deep theological questions. No, just someone who's willing to be inconvenienced, to sit down and have a coffee once a week, or someone who's willing to take those phone calls when they're struggling, or someone who's willing to show up and show that they care and invest in building relationship. That's what discipleship looks like, doing this Christian life together with others. I need to be doing this life with people that are further down the road than I am in certain areas. Amen? And so do you. But sometimes we don't just need that investor because this isn't a one-sided call. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and be discipled. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. So this is an active call that, yes, we are to be discipled. We should be walking with those who are further down the road with us. But we should also be bringing those along who aren't as quite as far down the road in this journey as we are as well. To try to help invest in them. And I think that that starts by being willingly inconvenienced for the sake of another. And I think for a lot of us, especially those of you who still have children at home, you need to realize that's your role in the home. That's your role. My kids uh, and I, uh, we all sat down uh, this past week, and I had to repent to them, and I had to tell my kids, hey, uh, we're bringing family night back because we had gotten away from that. Dad just got real busy, and I didn't put it as a priority. I didn't willingly inconvenience myself and think ahead and block out and schedule properly. I allowed myself to get caught up in the whirlwind of chaos, and I let my schedule run me and drag me by the nose, and I know I'm the only person in there that's ever done that, so... Um, I, you're welcome. Uh, but I told my kids, I said, guys, I, you know what? I said, we're bringing family night back. It's going to be on this night, from this time to this time. And they test me. They want to see if I'm legit. They want to see if I'm for real. And I told them, I said, nothing else takes priority over us doing this. They said, well, what if the Bucks are playing? Well, no. <laughs> I looked at the kids and I said, you know what? I said, even if the Bucks are in the NBA Finals and the last game is on family night, 
and that's not what we want to do as a family, and it's down to the last five minutes of the game, I said, I said, you guys, I looked at him and I said, you guys are more important. And I said, we are going to prioritize this time. And I said, I'm going to make that promise to you. They looked at each other like, what? Because I want to communicate something to my kids. I want to communicate to them that I'm willing to be inconvenienced for their sake. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm wanting to communicate. I'm willing to be inconvenienced because at the end of the day, what is more important? What is going to impact eternity more? What is going to be accomplishing the vision and the mission of making disciples, the one that Jesus commissioned us to do, more? Yeah, is it inconvenient? Yeah. I could give in to the selfishness and I could put those things to the side, but no, I need to let them know this is where I stand when it comes to investing in you and us spending time together. Nothing else gets in the way. And they're going to hold me to that. And I guarantee you, I will be tested probably sometime in the next few weeks. <laughs> but I know already what I'm going to do because I want to teach them and I want to invest and I want to show them what matters. What are we showing not only our family members, but also those that God has blessed us with influence with? What are we showing them matters? What are we showing them is most important? What are we investing in? What are we inconveniencing ourselves for? When you get that phone call and that friend wants to spend time with you and, oh, it's that person again. Oh, man, I just don't have time. I don't have the energy for it. I need some me time. But God's nudging on your heart. Could that be the mustard seed that you're investing in that person's life that God is going to use in a big way? Or maybe you're part of watering that seed that's already planted on the inside of them. Is this part of your mission to go and make disciples by showing this person how disciples of Christ treat one another, that we're willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of another, even though we may not get instant gratification, it may be instant frustration. But we, get, we don't get that instant gratification of knowing we did a good deed. <laughs> Instead, sometimes it's taxing. Sometimes we get stabbed in the back. Sometimes we get burnt. Sometimes people still gossip and talk bad about us even when we have been over backwards to try to help them and we want to just swear off ever doing anything for anyone again. Can I tell you that the results and how other people act and treat you is not part of the contingency that Jesus put on making disciples? Can I tell you that a radical follower of Jesus is one who makes disciples at their own personal cost of their time, of their resources, of their energy, of their ability, because eternity is at stake. And this is what Jesus told us to be doing, not just to those who appreciate you and always treat you well. Being a discipler is not always an easy task. Being a disciple is not always an easy task. But this is who we are called to be. So we understand our cause is to live in light of eternity. We understand our mission is to make disciples and our commitment is to love God, love people, and serve the world. That's the commitment that we make in light of eternity and in response to the mission of making disciples in our everyday lives. This is how we live this thing out because none of us ever reaches the apex of becoming the master lover of God, the master lover of people, and the master servant of the world 
to where we are just the person who's figured it all out and we don't need to grow anymore in those areas. No, folks, we all need to continually grow in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. And when we serve the world, what do we serve them with? We serve them with the very love of God that has captivated our hearts and that has compelled us, that has saved us, that has brought us into right standing with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that they too can have their eyes open, their hearts softened so they can love God and thus love people and then serve the world with what? With the love of God to those in their sphere of influence so they can love God. Are you catching this? This is how we live this out. We never stop doing these things. And these things are more fun to do together as a church family because we are better together. We are more effective together because we believe that God has called us as a part of this local body to do these things together. And we live our lives with the belief that church is not somewhere we go, but rather it is who we are. We are the body of Christ every day of our lives not just for an hour on Sunday morning. We must reach those that no one else is reaching. We must live in light of eternity. But to do that, we're going to have to do things that no one else is willing to do. And that doesn't mean that because we do things no one else is willing to do that we're better than other people or better than other churches. That's not the attitude and the heart in which that statement was made. But rather, it's God, what have you gifted us with? What influence have you granted us? What opportunities are in front of us? What are you calling us to do? What are you calling us to invest in? It may look a little unorthodox from what people are used to seeing. Having 71 motorcycles in the parking lot on Sunday morning is not the average thing that happens at a church, unless it's a biker church. <laughs> but it's something that we're willing to do. Why? To reach people that we believe are far from God, people that need Jesus, people that we want to say, you're welcome, we want to love you, we want to teach you the truth. We want to lead you to a, a life filled with purpose, focused on Christ, and with eternity as your home, because we have a cause, because we have a mission, because we have a commitment. You see, when we, when we are responding to loving God, loving people, and serving the world, and we are committed to that, we will love people willingly by inconveniencing ourselves and making room for others in our church and in our lives. We'll make room because eternity matters more than our comfort. We prioritize our comfort so much and so often, but can I tell you, eternity matters more than your comfort. Eternity matters more than ease. Eternity matters more than your time frame and your schedule. I, I know it's difficult I know there's late hours involved. I know there's many miles involved. I know there may be some financial risk and reward involved. I know there may be times where you've spent yourself. But the Apostle Paul said, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls, even though the more I love you, it seems like the less I'm loved. Because he had a cause, because he had a mission, because he had a commitment, and that was to Christ. Why? Because he was a disciple and he was radically committed, not casually committed. We will do anything short of sin to reach people that are far from God. And we must reach those that no one else is reaching. And we will do things that no one else may be doing because Christ's love was shown to us through someone else willingly inconveniencing themselves. Someone who was willing to say yes. Someone who was willing to be inconvenienced and make an investment. Someone who was radically fully committed to living in light of eternity. 
But in order to do this, church, we must remember that our cause is to live in light of eternity, that our mission is to make disciples that are committed to grow in loving God, loving people, and serving the world with that love of God. So here's the question that I have for you today. Are you radically committed? In other words, are you all in? And what are you being challenged with today, right here in this moment? Because in order to say yes to what God is putting on your heart to do, you're going to have to say no to something else. What are you being drawn to say yes to? It may be strengthening your understanding of Scripture to put yourself in a position to be able to confidently share the gospels, well, the gospel with other people. Are you fully committed to that? Because when you hear stories like what we shared about Biker Sunday and how, how the gospel was being shared, you're like, oh, I would love to share the gospel with someone. I just don't know it well enough. Well, hello, take a step to get to know it better so you can put yourself in the position to be able to do the thing that's on your heart to do. Are you fully committed enough to be radical enough to make the investment to prepare yourself to do the thing that you want to do? Or do you just want to make excuses while you watch other people do it? Folks, for us to be radically committed, we've got to step up to the plate and say, what do I have to do? I, I have a heart to do this. Where do I start? You're not going to wake up tomorrow and know everything you need to say. Maybe you need to spend some time in the Scripture learning some things to be in a position to do that thing that's in your heart. If it's really in your heart, start with that small seed. Start with that small thing. It seems insignificant. It seems like it's taking a long time. It seems like it's going nowhere. Oh, trust me, there's roots that are growing and there's stuff that's happening as you continue to invest that you do not see. Are you going to be obedient? For some of you, God is calling you to a place of deeper commitment to be better equipped so you can be in a position to say yes to what's in your heart. Some of you, it's about positioning. It's about you need, you need to position yourself. You need to make some life adjustments to say yes to the thing that God's put in your heart to say yes to. Because you're going to have to say no to some things in order to position your life, whether that's your schedule, whether that's your finances, whether that's your relationships, whether that's your priorities, whatever God is putting on your heart to say yes to, you can wait till it just hits you out of the sky one day, or you can start prioritizing something to move you in that direction right now. What's that thing you need to say yes to? Is it going to be inconvenient? I promise. Is it going to be difficult at times? Absolutely. Are you going to get discouraged? Ho, ho, ho. 100%. Guarantee you will. But when you remember your cause, when you remember your, your commitment, when you remember your mission, it helps you to be refocused on what God has called you to do, to live in light of eternity. Here's the thing. Some of us need to be connected to other believers that are further down the road in this deal than you. Maybe there's something you're wanting to do that you need to ask some questions of another person that you see doing that thing. Oh, that takes humility. That means you've got to go to someone and say, I don't know what you know, instead of going to someone trying to impress them with what you do know. They don't care. <laughs> Why not in a spirit of humility, because we're all so awesome at that. Why don't we all, in a spirit of humility, instead say, you know what, I don't know how to do this, but I have a heart for this. Can you show me how you do what you do? Can I spend some time with you? learning some things, 
Or I have a question for you. And not just having to puff our chest out and say, look what I know and look what I can do. That doesn't help us get further down the road. Some of us, God has put on our heart to make an investment of our time, our gifts, or our resources into something that's impacting eternity. What are you waiting for? What's your next step to make that thing happen that's been in your heart? Or to make that thing a reality? What's that mustard seed? What's that conversation that needs to happen? Is it just signing up or making a commitment? Is it just saying yes to something? What is it? What's in front of you? Because there's no such thing as a casual radical. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a casual radical. And Jesus is calling us to be radical because everyone Jesus ever called, as we look at, at, at the pace of Christ and the life of Christ, when he called people, it was always a radical call. It was never casual, it was never convenient. It was never on everyone else's terms. He was saying, do you see the value? Do you see the treasure that's in the field and you want to sell everything you have to go and buy that field? Is it that pearl of great price that you, you're willing to inconvenience everything else in your life to say yes? Because this thing matters more because your cause is to live in light of eternity. Because your mission is to make disciples because you're a radical follower of Christ and your commitment is to grow in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Let's pray today. God, thank you for this day. I pray you help us to say yes to what you're challenging us with to fully commit to, whatever that may be. Maybe for some in this place or watching online, it may be a relationship with Jesus because maybe they've only casually committed to being a church attender, but they've never fully committed to truly following Christ. Maybe today is that day of salvation for someone. If it is, Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes and draw them by your Spirit. Lord, I pray that today, if we've been despising small beginnings and not caring for the mustard seed and not stepping forth in those things that heaven values that we've been waiting for the big thing. Lord, forgive us and help us to take the next step. Help us to position ourselves how we need to position ourselves to do that thing you've put in our heart to do because eternity is at stake. Lord, the things that we need to be inconvenienced willingly for, help us to say yes to those things and say no to the things that are in the way. We want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness because we know that you take care of the rest. Help us to say yes to those things by stirring us, by reminding us, and by messages like this that will challenge us by your Holy Spirit to say yes to what you want to do in us and through us for your glory, Lord, for the edification of the church, for the evangelism of the gospel, for the making of disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.